Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name is Helen. I'm Janet. I'm Mel. And I'm Michelle. This year's story is brought to you by McDonald's. With all that is happening with the pandemic, McDonald's is putting forward the effort to showcase the many kinds of heroes in the Asian-Pacific American community. McDonald's desire to uplift and highlight community heroes is guided by the belief that we're all in this together, and they are committed to caring for local heroes who are caring for our country. COVID-19 has profoundly impacted the world. We've all had to adjust to a new normal, and that new normal has looked different for everyone. In recent episodes, we shared how COVID-19 has impacted our personal lives, and our experiences have reflected that of many individuals who are adjusting to the stay-at-home order. In this bonus episode, we want to recognize and honor a local community hero who is working directly on the front lines. Today, we have Michelle Akob, a bedside and charge nurse at the Regional Medical Center of San Jose, a trauma hospital. Michelle works in one of Santa Clara County's first COVID-19 units starting in March 2020. As a charge and infection prevention nurse, she oversees the entire COVID-19 unit and is in control of bedding patients and guiding 10 to 12 nurses with their assigned patient loads. Michelle also has a one-year-old daughter at home, and her husband is a supervisor of a molecular pathology lab in Palo Alto's VA hospital, so he is also exposed to COVID-19 in a different way by running the lab test samples and testing for COVID. We are so honored to have Michelle here to share her story and experiences during this unprecedented period of our lives. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. (laughs) Glad to be here. (laughs) Um, so can we start, if you could just share with our listeners uh, what your work was like before the onset of COVID-19 and how that has changed since then? Yeah, sure. Um, so my unit before becoming the official COVID unit, <laughs> um, we were an adult telemetry and a medical surgical observation unit. So we took care of a lot of adults um, that came in with cardiac problems or um, most of it's was usually like chest pain and they needed some cardiac workup. Sometimes they would go through heart catheter procedures um, to see if there was any blockage or if they needed any, you know, pacemakers or anything like that. Uh, We took care of a wide range of other diagnoses like pneumonia or flu, um, sometimes as severe as sepsis, which is, you know, 
more than one infection, infection in the body. Um, we were also used, at the, too, at that point, taking care of um, communicable acquired diseases already, kind of like tuberculosis, um, flu, where patients need to be on special droplet precautions, um, measles, um, scabies, shingles. So we took care of a wide variety of range of patients. We were a very fast-paced unit in terms of admitting a lot of patients and discharging a lot most of the time. So we worked well together as a team with my coworkers and I. We have a unit where we take care of as much as 40 to 45 patients. So um, we were very used to already with teamwork together, um, just being an overall busy unit with many patients. So. And with the onset of COVID, um, how did that unit change and how did your work dynamic change? Instead of being a fast-paced unit in terms of admissions and discharges now, it was a different kind of pace in terms of which of our 40 positive COVID patients would we determine would go downhill fast, which ones um, we should watch closely that might need to end up in the ICU fast and get intubated right away. So it was that kind of pace in terms of we have to be more on our toes and um, started noticing that the disease really deteriorated these patients really quick. But thankfully, as a team of nurses, we already used to wearing our PPE, like our personal protective equipment with other community-acquired diseases in the past. It's just that with this one, we had to be more mindful together in terms of not rushing through putting on our protection and making sure that we were well protected before going into a room. So even though it was in terms of a fast-paced unit in terms of we really need to take care of these patients quick, especially if they need to get intubated fast and send them to the ICU fast, we had to slow down and slow ourselves down and work together and make sure before we go in that room, we're all well protected. Not only did the pace change, our appearance of our unit changed. When nurses from other floors come to our unit, like they have to float and help us out. They themselves say it's like a war zone on our unit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's tables all set up all throughout our hallways with all our equipment on each table with our gowns, face shields, goggles, um, gloves. And everyone basically looks the same dressed from head to toe, you know, wearing a face shield, goggles, mask, and gowns, and you can't really tell who's who. Mm-hmm. It's a war zone now. It's kind of like as good you could say it. <laughs> no, that sounds insane. It kind of just shows like what is really going on, you know, in today's time. Um, I think you gave a really good overview in terms of like, you know, what the what's going on, I guess, in a big picture. But then what is your day-to-day like? Um, day-to-day, I guess we could start um, my normal work day. I wake mm-hmm. up maybe... 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., depending on my daughter, Penelope, what time she wakes me up. (laughs) First thing I would do is, uh, you know, put on my mask before I go get her out of her crib. The only sacrifice I could do right now is to put on mask and make sure I know, feel confident in not transferring this virus to her. So um, we go have breakfast, play, explore our backyard, all the shelter-in-place stuff that you could only do now. you know, have lunch. And then at that time, my parents would come over to my house and um, they are our only means of babysitting her at this time. They were babysitting her before COVID came. And when the pandemic started, my husband and I decided, you know, um, this is not the right time to find someone else, find another babysitter because you can't trust whether they're COVID negative or positive. But what we can do is our own sacrifices in terms of when my parents come over, have me wear a mask, have them wear a mask, and we would be in separate rooms. 
So one day would come over, babysit my daughter um, while I got ready for work. Um, they would be in a separate room and I would get ready for work, still wearing my mask, say goodbye and, you know, just a wave from afar. <laughs> and then um, I'll get in my car, drive to work. Um, during my drive to work, I, you know, I say a little prayer, just, you know, praying to God, hoping that he would protect me to remind me to take it slow when it comes to putting on my personal uh, protective equipment um, to remind me as I'm taking it off um, to go slow too because you don't want that virus to go all over the place if you, you know, take off your mask and your shield and everything. Mm -hmm. so, um, so yeah, I say a little prayer and then I also listen to Alicia Keys. I'm not sure if you guys heard it. Her new song, it's called um, Good Job. Mm. Have you guys heard it before? Haven't heard it yet. Mm -mm. I have not Yeah, yet. it's a song that she recently made um, dedicated to healthcare workers during the pandemic. Oh. So yeah, I listen to it on, like nonstop on the way to work. And you know, I get to work, gown up, do my thing, take care of patients. Sometimes I'm the charge nurse. So we take report on all 40 to 45 patients. I don't know, eight hours go by. <laughs> and then um, on my way home from work, I, you know, say a prayer to God. Thank you for protecting me and I call my mom just kind of we talk about how my shift went and um, of course like all Asian moms she's always worried about how many I don't know like if, if I did everything correctly if I'm safe she always asks how many COVID rooms I went into and I always you know lie to her so that she doesn't worry mm -hmm. so I say like well you know just two but it's it's that's really false you go into like about 10 a day and um Sometimes you're in and out of, you know, maybe one room, depending on how heavy the patient is or how sick they are. And then I get home probably around 12 a.m., go through a whole disinfecting process. Um, the first thing I do is I spray down my shoes with Lysol, take off my clothes in the garage. I have its own hamper in the garage um, for all my scrubs. And I put on a robe, run to the bathroom downstairs to take a long hot shower. After that shower, I start disinfecting everything I've touched from the garage to the bathroom. Then I start disinfecting everything inside my my car, you know, with the Clorox wipe, the driver wheel and um, the seat. And then I start disinfecting everything else in the kitchen, like what we call the high touch areas, like light switches, doorknobs, remote controls. After that, I kind of sit down, eat a warm meal to eat and kind of try to catch up on my reading. Um, I started reading what's uh, Ali Wong's Dear Girls <laughs> oh, <laughs> just to mm. kind of get my mind off things and kind of wind down. And then I go to sleep by like it's about 2 a.m. or 2.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. Next day, probably do it all over again if it's another shift. Michelle, you mentioned you had spent, you know, quite a amount of time, you know, disinfecting your car, you know, your house. How long does it take you to disinfect everything after work? It takes about, I'd say, an hour to an hour and a half. Wow. I'm very OCD, but sometimes you have to learn how to be OCD during this pandemic. It makes me comfortable knowing I'm not taking the virus home and it's not going to be exposed to my family. And it's the least I can do. Um compared to those who have it harder, like in New York, and they actually isolate themselves or live in a hotel away from their family members. Mm. So mm. it's what I do to make myself feel comfortable, especially with my um, daughter Penelope running around. Yeah. <laughs> so. And Michelle, I know you already touched upon um, your sort of home life and routine a bit, and we know you wear many, many hats. So in addition to being a nurse, you're a mother, a wife, and a daughter. How has this affected your family life? Well, as a mother, um, it's 
a little heartbreaking in a way that I have to constantly wear a mask around um, Penelope. It's already been two months since the start of um, my unit becoming an all-COVID unit. So that's been two months of wearing a mask around her. At her age, she's currently 20 months. At that time, you're focused on milestones. Like, she's my first daughter. I've being a first-time mom, I'm focused on milestones all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, her milestone right now at that age is talking, saying certain words, how to say certain words. So um, it's been really tough because I can't really show her how to mouth out certain words. Mm-hmm. I point to her dad when I'm like, look at daddy's mouth. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> how to say apple, how to say banana, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> and... Um, you know, I don't want her to be behind in that milestone, especially when I'm the one who talks to her the most. I'm at home with her the most during the day. And also there are little things when um, we play and I want to show her that I'm proud of her. So I I have to say it instead of just smiling because, you know, she can't see me smile. Mm-hmm. Also, sometimes it gets really sad where, you know, I haven't kissed her in a while. So I don't want her to think, oh... You know, mommy doesn't love me anymore. She does. I don't feel her kissing me anymore. So I make little noises like mwah, you know, like that's my kiss mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> or we blow kiss a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, that's been hard in terms of being a mother because I, I just don't want her to be behind on her milestone. And I don't want her to think that I forgot how mommy looks like or she doesn't yeah. really kiss me anymore. Yeah. And I know she's still like very young, 20 months, mm-hmm. but does she know what's kind of going on or why mommy has to wear a mask it's kind of hard to just to explain that um maybe sometimes i would say oh it's you know for your safety leave mommy's mask on because sometimes she tries to tear it off but it's (laughs) it's gone to a point though it's really funny that um Sometimes I forget that I have it resting under my chin, like after I'm eating. She walks up to me sometimes and she actually fixes my mask and puts Aww. it back on my mask. <laughs> <laughs> So that's kind of the norm now for her. And then I smile and I say, oh, thank you. And then she smiles too. So I hope she just thinks it's a game and I hope it's, you know, not a permanent game. <laughs> 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 you know, so after all of this is over, she's gonna grab a mask and try to put it back on your face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she's gonna like, what's something's wrong with your face, mommy? <laughs> well, she's learning very good hygiene, so, hygiene manners. Yes, yeah, right, yeah. I was good you touched up on that because, um, and not just learning teaching her how to talk, I've been OCD about teaching her how to wash her hands. Mm. Um, like always telling her, rub your hands, you know, um, make make sure you see some bubbles. And um, also in terms of, you know, she's still in that phase of sucking her thumb sometimes to help soothe her to sleep. I have to like pull her thumb out and be like, don't touch your face anymore. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, or don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, so it's it's different. It's like my focus from her milestones have to go to like, yeah, hygiene, teaching her how to keep herself clean and not touch her face or eyes anymore that's the mother aspect so but as um as a wife um since covid came actually two a few months before covid came um i mean my husband were talking about trying again for baby number two Mm. yeah so we were trying for a while for those two months until covid started coming about on the news and then by the time it hit america that's when we thought, okay, we should really um, 
put it on pause, you know, in terms of making our family grow. Because that will probably, like, I'm already stressed as it is with our unit becoming a full COVID unit. I can't imagine being, like, a pregnant frontliner <laughs> nurse um, taking care of COVID patients. So, But there are nurses out there who are pregnant, and they're still working through this pandemic. And, you know, I want to give a bunch of kudos to them instead. So. Yeah. How has that affected you also as a daughter? Right. As a daughter, like I mentioned, um, my parents are still the primary babysitters for my daughter, um, Penelope. Because of their age, um, they're in their um, late 60s and early 70s. I found myself really, ever since COVID came, I found myself really educating them because they had a lot of questions too, and they knew I was a nurse. And um, I had to teach them in terms of when it comes to babysitting Penelope now in my house. And since I'm working with COVID patients, I need to keep them safe and they need to help themselves keep themselves safe. I had to teach them the whole disinfection, disinfecting protocol. <laughs> I had to tell them what I did when I came home so that they felt comfortable being in my house as they um, took care of Penny. And I had to tell them like some lay out some ground rules. Um, when you're in the same house as me, we have to be in different rooms. You have to wear masks too, and I have to wear masks. And I tell them, you know, there's a hand sanitizer here. Every sink has soap. Feel free to always wash your hands as often as you can. As a daughter, I've been kind of like their personal nurse, personal mm-hmm. infection prevention nurse, mm-hmm. always educating them so that way they, they could feel comfortable. Because I know how much more scared they are being in a high-risk group in terms of if they got the disease, COVID, you know, the outcome is not as great compared to younger patients. So it's been hard as a daughter um, trying to keep them comfortable. And of course, after every shift, they would ask, you know, how many rooms have you gone into? Did you do everything okay? And I would always sugarcoat it a lot just so that they could be more you know, comfortable. And that's definitely a lot of hats to be wearing and a lot of people to think about that's outside of your own life. um, And a lot of people thinking about you. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. (laughs) Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Michelle, would you also mind sharing with our listeners what your ethnicity is and uh, throughout the duration of this experience, if you have experienced anything negative based on people's perception of your ethnicity, whether in the hospital or outside? So I'm... Filipino Chinese. Thankfully, I haven't come across anything like that. What you would see, like in the media online, like you know, the racism towards um, Asian Americans, thinking that all Asian Americans brought COVID into America. You know, um, I haven't faced that. Um, but then again, I haven't really gotten out of my house enough to, because I feel like I'm high risk. I don't want to be out grocery shopping often and, you know, being there, putting everyone else at risk. Um, but seeing it online and on the media, what others are experiencing really makes me sad and angry in terms of, you know, like how would I preparing myself? Like how should I react if I came across that type of situation or encounter? It makes me think, how should I prepare my daughter for that? if that's still mm-hmm. going to be the case in the future. And I was also wondering, to jump on Janet's question real quick, because, like, I I can only imagine, like, when we think about this racism, there's xenophobia towards Asian Americans. Like, I wonder if there's any patients who were who are racist towards certain nurses because they, they perceive certain things from the media. Mm-hmm. But then when Michelle described that, everyone's in the same garb from head to toe. You can't tell, you can't see race when you're literally like covered up right protecting people so Mm -hmm. i can understand why there actually might not be that much racism in the hospitals what i've experienced so far being all covid the past two months Mm -hmm. i think racism is one of the last things patients are even thinking about Mm -hmm. um especially with this disease um their main thought is how much longer am i going to be in a hospital will i even even get to go home. Yeah. So definitely me, none of my coworkers have ever experienced any type of racism ever since we became, um, you know, all COVID unit. Maybe, yeah, the gowns and the, the goggles and the face masks help. But, you know, the most I could see is our eyes. So, and um, being in San Jose, it's a very high population of Asian American nurses. Yeah. <laughs> Me or my coworkers, we never came into any encounter about racism when it comes to taking care of our patients. And I really think that's the last things on our minds, or I hope so. I mean, that's me being a nurse and being not judgmental, though, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> and I think in terms of COVID, a lot of us, there's a lot of negativity around it. I'm just curious, like, can you share an, can you share an experience with our listeners that you had maybe in the last month that particularly moved you? There's plenty. I do really keep this one in mind in terms of, like, keeps me going um, throughout my days in the COVID unit. It's delivering the good news to one of our patients. She was a 92-year-old um, female. We were waiting for her COVID result, whether it was positive or negative. And I remember I got the honor of going into her room, letting her know that her result was negative. I noticed she was always uneasy, always nervous, like every patient on our unit, especially you, you know, whenever you see everyone coming into a room, they're all gowned up from head to toe. You know, it's always nerve-wracking. So I went to her room to let her know, um, hi, miss, blah, blah, blah. Um, just wanted to let you know some good news. Your COVID result came back negative. That means you do not have the co- coronavirus. And I could remember seeing her, like, look up to the sky, clasp her hands on her chest, and she just started to cry. 
And she started to thank me, say, oh, thank you so much. You know, that's the best news. You know, I'm 92. If you had told me otherwise, I really thought I would have died tomorrow. It was just nice to hear her thanking me, but also like just to see her cry really touched me and made me kind of teary-eyed behind my goggles too. But it also gave us hope knowing that, see, not every elderly um, patient that comes to our floor, not all of them are going to be positive. Most of them are going to be negative. Or even then, we have discharged patients um, that old who are positive, but they got to go home. Just mm. seeing her face, it's always going to be kept in my heart. Kind of yeah, thing, so. that's a really moving story. It even got me like feeling flutters in my heart. I'm just like, oh my God, I can't imagine being here and, and you know, sharing that news. And that's incredible. Because it made me think, like, if I had said otherwise that she was positive, yeah. first thing in her thought probably would have been completely opposite, like it was a death sentence, you right, know? And right. yeah. I just feel bad for those patients who think that or have that mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's when we would be as nurses um, saying, no, we, you will get through this. We have had patients your age who have survived this. You know, mm-hmm. we, didn't, we have to make sure that they don't lose hope. I can't even imagine what you're going through every day, especially with stories like this, um, both physically and mentally. You know, something I'm really curious about is since you're taking care of so many people, how are you taking care of yourself during this time? Oh, um, I do things that are totally not nursing related. (laughs) (laughs) I've gotten into the whole... I call it the pandemic baking craze. Mm, (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I've um, done all the recipes that have come out online, like the Disney churros, the Double Tree Hotel cookies. Um, I didn't know that was a thing. (laughs) Yeah, their 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 cookies are awesome. So when they released their recipe, I was like, oh yes, (laughs) you know. And um, my husband, I had a pandemic birthday. My birthday was last month. So my husband got me a KitchenAid stand mixer. Ooh, so, I love one of those. I was yeah. actually just looking it up. Happy belated birthday. Right. Yeah, happy belated birthday. <laughs> happy belated. Right. Thank you. So that's one sense. I try to bake and try to finish my book, um, Dear Girls by Ali Wong. Oh, yeah, I have that right here. Yeah, it's taking me forever to read because it's hard to read when you have a toddler who's, you know, doesn't like to sit down and um, always wants you to play. Oh, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you are also taking care of yourself <laughs> during during your days off and doing things that are not just COVID related. So that is really good to hear. Thank you. I know, Michelle, you have such a positive demeanor and you've been able to provide such uh, an optimistic kind of recollection of everything. Um, but I'm sure there's, you know, really, really hard days and really hard moments. So as someone who is working on the front lines beyond these activities to take care of yourself, how are you maintaining hope? In my unit, I'm kind of one of the, what we call like informal nurse leaders. Like everyone kind of looks up to me. I'm one of the many charge nurses who are charge nurses often. And, um, I always try to keep everyone positive, of course, um, say them, you know, we were a good team before COVID and we could get through this together. As an infection prevention nurse, I felt the responsibility in terms of making sure that everyone was prepared and taught carefully of how to prepare themselves so that we could get through this together. So I remember I was talking to one of my um, assistant managers of how we could increase the morale of our unit because we were always too tight on our toes, making sure that 
we were all dressed properly and um, before getting going to room. And when we come out, we were, you know, we take out everything and disinfect everything properly, which is good. But I felt like we were all too uptight. So talking to my assistant manager, we came up with the idea that we should keep track of how many patients, positive COVID patients that we've discharged safely home um, so that they could isolate at home and they were stable and they could take good care of themselves and get better at home. So we decided to create a whiteboard on our unit that would keep track of how many um, positive COVID patients we safely discharged home. So one week it was started with just five. Um, and then it started slowly growing to 10, 20. And then our goal was like 50. And, you know, we were really happy about that to the point where two weeks ago it hit 100. And now this week it's 120. Wow. So oh, wow. seeing that number go up on our unit um, and all the nurses seeing that at our nursing station is what helped us keep keep you know, on hoping that we are doing a good job. Mm -hmm. We are getting through this together on top of, which I'm really proud to say, um, none of my coworkers have tested positive for COVID. Like we're all wow. still healthy. Yeah, so it makes great. me, yeah, it makes me feel really happy. And, you know, as a responsibility of actually teaching them how to protect ourselves and protect each other. These past two months, we've been doing something right and it's working. That is a beautiful story. It's like a simple thing that will like shift the way you look at something. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure as like, as a charge nurse, you feel immense like satisfaction knowing that you kept your team safe as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we all know it's important to not only keep ourselves safe, to keep our families safe, but also, you know, we work close together. We can't socially distance each other while working together. So mm -hmm. We have to keep each other healthy because if I'm sick and I'm working with you, I'm putting you at risk. Michelle, have you actually seen the numbers go down in terms of people admitting themselves? We're about two months in now. So just curious what's it like yeah. there now. I would say the peak of this whole coronavirus um, for this season was the beginning or the first half of April. And since then, it's been slowly going down. So slowly, my... COVID unit is becoming back to the unit we used to be. Mm. <laughs> oh. So that's some good news too. So yeah, we have less positive COVID patients on our floor. Um, ICU seems to be a little bit more relaxed, but we are still bracing ourselves for a possible second surge, um, mm. especially with California reopening mm -hmm. and um, the flu season just a few months away. So we're kind of, you know, bracing ourselves and taking it day by day, really. Well, I feel re really reassured knowing that we have nurses, like, you know, your unit taking care of people. I feel like it's, this is one of the first mm -hmm. few times I heard, like, a positive perspective on dealing with COVID. So thank you so much for that. And just thank you, Michelle, for all that you're doing for your family, you know, your coworkers and your community. Mm -hmm. Just thank you for taking the time to share your story with us today. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> also, thank you to McDonald's for allowing us to highlight Michelle's experience and bringing us this hero story. If you want to see more inspiring stories, tune into a special live stream concert event this Saturday, May 30th called Identity. We'll be joining them to honor Michelle and other community heroes. 
Yes. And thank you again, Michelle, for taking your time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. <laughs> you can find us on all of the podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a rating and review at Asian Boss Girl. And if you'd like to support us through monthly donations, you can do so at anchor.fm slash Asian Boss Girl slash support. We are also very active on social. Our handle is at Asian Boss Girl. If you resonate with today's guest and episode, screen cap the podcast, tag us, and we can reshare on our IG story. Uh, also find us on YouTube where we have started posting some vlogs and subscribe at Asian Boss Girl. And thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. We'll catch you on our next episode, everyone. Bye! Bye.